The following is a teaching from Church of the Redeemer. We pray that you will be blessed by this teaching. I'm so happy today to have with us a great friend of mine and friend of our ministry here at Church of the Redeemer. I've known this gentleman for about 35 years, 34, 35 years now. Many of you will recognize him as well as he comes in just a moment. Pastor Robert Berger pastors Camino de Vida in Lima, Peru. It's a church of well over 10,000, 12,000 people that meet there in the city. They have churches around the nation, and Pastor Robert has a great influence throughout the whole continent of South America and literally around the world now as he's helping churches with great renewal happening. Uh, they run children's homes and uh, women's houses and those kind of things, all kind of uh, social ministries for people in need in South America, and just really has a heart for God and a heart for the church. And he's been our friend. He's a part of our church family. Uh, we like to call him one of our homeboys here. He's back all the way from South America, home with us this weekend, and we're so glad to have him. And also today is his birthday as well. So isn't that incredible? It's his birthday today. And so he chose to be with us for his birthday. It's also the 29th anniversary of their church happening today, and he's here with us, and so we're so very thankful. Would you give, at all of our campuses, give a very strong, warm welcome to Pastor Robert Berger as he comes this morning from Lima, Peru. Good morning. Thanks for all coming out for my birthday. Really glad that uh, you got the invitation and made a special party for me today. It's never had a birthday party this big. Um, love, love being here at Church of the Redeemer. This is our home church. This is where we just come to recharge our batteries every now and then. And uh, so love this church. So love your pastors. My dearest friend is Pastor Dale O'Shields. And thankful we get to do life together and thankful that we can team up together to do things to make an impact in the church around the world. I want to build or, or continue this series called Wiser uh, to the best of my ability uh, this morning. Now, before I get into this series that Pastor Dale has started called Wiser, let me just say he also has asked me, as he does many times, he'll, he'll say, Robert, tell part of your story. I'm really not good at telling part of my story. The, the thing is honest, so much is happening that I don't know how to explain it, so I just don't. But I'll do the best I can, okay? Um, because this is our home church, I'll, I'll take some extra efforts to say a little bit extra about stuff. Uh, I know many are new. You don't, haven't had the opportunity to visit Peru or see your sister church in South America or hear from me. So. Just as a background, I grew up in Southern California as a surfer. In fact, grew up uh, for about three years. I lived in a garage on the beach in Santa Monica in a place called Dogtown, Santa Monica. I don't know if anybody here ever saw the movie, The Lords of Dogtown. If you did, repent. It's not a good movie. But it is also a movie uh, that talks about the guys that I grew up with. In fact, uh, because I'd been a missionary for so many years, there was a, a skateboard team. Let me say it this way. There was a skateboard team in California called the Zephyr Skateboard Team. Now, before Zephyr had a skateboard team, they had a surf team, and that's what I was a part of the Zephyr Surf Team. 
uh, right behind me came the kids that were became famous in that skateboard thing. So anybody here skateboard? Nope, you don't look like a skateboarding crowd to me anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, I grew up out there doing that, and it wasn't until I'd been in the mission field for several years and came back to the United States that a mutual friend of ours, Paul Cole, I was over at his house one evening, and he said, here, watch this, and he popped a video in, and it was that Lords of Dogtown movie, and the whole thing, I'm going, hey, I know those guys, wait, I was there, that, those are my friends, and then I realized it was a story about the guys that grew up right behind us, uh, and all I could say was, what that movie did to me is it showed me, thank God I became a Christian. Because I watched the way their lives ended up, and I thought that's were not by the grace of God, God that I would have ended up. So thank God for his ability to come in and change lives like he did for me. So uh, really, I'm just a surfer from Southern California who somehow found his way to the mission field and gets to do some fun stuff. Now, I want to read a verse in Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1, says this, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly tears it down. Like it says uh, in the King James uh, Version of the Bible, it says, Wisdom builds a house, but bad decisions tear it down. I want to ask a question. How many have ever made a bad decision in your life? 100%. It's interesting how we remember those, those bad decisions. You know, that one decision that you just kind of go, oh, what was I thinking? You know, why did I do that? What was I thinking? And, and then we watch people through life that can, you know, it's, they're just one bad decision away from just tearing something down. Wisdom builds a house, but bad decisions can tear a house apart. Do you ever, do you ever see somebody that has for a long time built a strong family, but one bad decision and they bring hurt? Or they destroy a family, it tears it apart. Or have you ever seen somebody that has built a business maybe, and through wisdom they've built a strong business, but one bad decision, one bad business mistake, and they, their business falls apart? You know, and then some people have this ability to keep making bad decisions. Some people just, every decision they make, it's just bad decisions, bad decisions. Do you, do you know anybody like that? It just seems like they can never make a good decision. And then there are other people that they just seem to always make good decisions. The Bible says wisdom builds a house. Wisdom builds bad decisions can tear it down. Now, I want to talk about building a house. You know, we're, really the truth is we're all one decision away from stupid. It's all it takes. Just one moment, one decision, one simple error, and, and all of a sudden we just like, can do something really stupid, really dumb in our lives. So how can we make good decisions? Now, really what I plan on doing in this is I think, and I'm not one to give recipes, Christian recipes, but I'm going to give a Christian recipe. 
I believe I have found a secret that can help you make good decisions for the rest of your life. How many want to learn that? Okay. If you apply this principle that I'm about to teach, I believe it can help you make good decisions for now on for the rest of your life. Now, let me explain what I'm saying. You see, decisions determine your destiny. The decisions determine your destiny. You are the person you are today because of decisions from yesterday. Now, these could be decisions you have made, or sometimes it's decisions others have made concerning you. Sometimes we've just made decisions and it, it's created the person I am today, or other times others have made decisions and those decisions that they made over your life have made you into the person you are today. Uh, and it's simple because if decisions determine your destiny, if you don't like the life you have, change your decisions. Okay. Oftentimes I do this in our church. I have a frequent sayings that I tell our church family in Peru. And one of the frequent sayings I, I tell people is this, give me one year of your life and I promise your life will be better. Now that's a bold statement. To be able to look at somebody and say, listen, just give me one year of your life. And at the end of that year, I promise your life will be better. Let me explain. That has nothing to do with me. I am not that good. It has everything to do with God and his promises and part of this teaching I'm going to give today. Okay. But how can you make that statement? I mean, sometimes as a pastor, people come to you. And they start telling you their life, especially new people in church. You know, pastor, can I talk to you? And it's okay, okay let's talk. And they begin to tell you their story. And, the, you know, I mean, some of the stories, especially down there in South America, some of these Peruvian families, they start to tell me their story. They're new in church. And it's like, oh, pastor, I don't know what to do with myself. And, and they begin to tell me their story. And just after about five minutes and then 10 minutes and then 15 minutes, I'm just going, whoa, whoa whoa, whoa. And after about an hour, they say, pastor, what do I do? And I, at the end of their story, say, I have no idea. Whoa, you've gotten into a mess. But thank God it doesn't depend on me. It depends on him. You see, I can't, we can't change a lifetime of bad decisions in one day or one week, but give us a certain period of time over a year, your life will be headed in a different direction. Okay. I use this example to explain what I just said. Everything God does in the Bible, he does according to patterns and principles. Everything. And when you understand God's patterns and principles and apply them to your life, then uh, your life changes according to his patterns and principles. Now, let me explain that this way and follow with me through this little thing that I, I do this frequently in our church. OK, a pattern and a principle. What, what does that mean? Follow me. If I say two, four, six. Follow me. Okay, help me a little bit, all right? 5, 10, 15, 30. You're fast. All right, 10, 20, 30. What, how do you know that? It's a pattern based on a mathematical principle. 
And what we see with the pattern and principle is basically this, because in the history, two, four, six, because of history, we can predict the future. Okay, so because of the pattern in the past, we kind of know what's going to happen in the future. Two, four, six, we know eight, 10, 12 are going to come, unless you want to jump to 30 real fast. Okay, so it's two, four, six, eight, 10, 12. There's, because of the history, we can predict the future. The same is true with mathematical principles. The same is true with the Bible. If we do what God said here, he will do what he promised here. And my thing that I say is this, if you don't like the eight your life has produced, change the two, four, six. Okay, if you're like, if you don't enjoy, if you're not enjoying the life you have now, then change the patterns of here to get a different future, a different life. So how can we do that? I I have this thing I call filters, and this is just my own personal thing. Uh, It's kind of been coined. This is the first time I've ever taught this message openly. And and somebody coined it in the previous services, the RFs, Robert's Filters. So I kind of like that. These are Robert's Filters. All right. And what do I mean by filters? A filter is just something I personally use. These are my personal filters. Something I personally use before making a decision. In other words, when I make that decision, I process the decision first through these various filters that I have. And I've actually got over about 35 of these filters and I'll try to give you about three or four of them, okay? Now, the very first filter, and this kind of explains everything. My very first filter that I wanna say is, it's this filter, and then this will explain what I mean by filters. It's this filter, honor God in all you do. Number one filter in my life. And, and believe me, if you don't get anything else out of this message, but just get this one filter, I promise your life will be better. On this one filter, in other words, before you make decisions in life, pass it, that decision through this filter, your life will be better. Now, let me explain it. Have you ever noticed people that can make hard decisions and they make them easy? And every now and then we face hard decisions and fret, now what am I going to do because I've got one of these hard life decisions before me and I'm just going through this process. What do I do? How do I make this decision? If I do this, this can happen. If I do this, this can happen. Well, I, I think I found a filter that can make hard decisions a little easier if you use this number one filter. Honor God in all you do. Now to explain what that is, I have to tell this story of four Hebrew children, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember the stories from Sunday school. These were four Hebrew children that were taken captive as slaves from Israel and taken into Babylon. And the Bible goes on to say about these four children, they made some hard decisions. Daniel was the first one. We see him in Daniel chapter 1. The king had seen something special in Daniel, one of these Hebrew slaves that came in from the promised land. So the king Nebuchadnezzar, when he saw Daniel, he wanted to bring him into a special school and make him one of the king's wise men, one of the, the men that would advise the king in future. So they wanted to invest 
dressed in Daniel and train him up in the palace, which meant Daniel had to eat food that was served to the king. Now, most of us would enjoy food served to the king. I mean, they had the best cooks. But the Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat the king's food. Now, that's a hard decision because by not eating the king's meal, the food that the king prepared for him, that could be death. They were pretty rough in those days. And Daniel still, even though the penalty could be death, made a very hard decision. And if you read the story, that decision actually ended up very good for Daniel because he was found 10 times better than all the other wise men in the nation. But Daniel made the decision, I just won't eat that food. How is it Daniel could make such a hard decision? Let's jump over to the other three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember their story about the furnace. Remember the fiery furnace? Uh, the, The story goes like this. Nebuchadnezzar made himself a new god. Now that to me is just weird. I mean, he made a new god. The Bible says it was a statue some 90 feet tall and just a few feet wide and ugly. And then Nebuchadnezzar, he he brings this God out and he gives an edict, an order through all the lands of Babylon that everybody must bow down and worship his new God. And when he made this edict, he goes beyond that and he says, if you don't, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. So there was a motivation given there. And and the Bible, it goes on to say, when you hear the sounds of the musicians playing, when you hear the trumpets and the the different instruments that play, when you hear the drums beat, then everybody bow down. And and historians say there must have been 100,000 people in that field when he raised up that statue. And when the music began to play, everybody bowed down and began to worship his God, except three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How is it they could make such a hard decision, even though it meant they were going to go into the fiery furnace? With Daniel and with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made that hard decision because they made the other decision first. And if you make the first decision, your number one uh, filter in life, all the other decisions become easier. Not easy, just easier. And the number one decision is, I want to honor God in all I do. So Daniel said, I can't honor God and eat that food because that food was offered to an idol. And in his conscience, in his heart, he could not eat that food that was offered to idols. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, we've made the decision to honor God. And we cannot honor God and bow down to that statue the king just made. So they made the decision, number one, through that filter. What does that mean for us? Make the decision to become wiser. Make the decision, number one, I want to honor God in all I do. Which simply means this. Before you do that, can I honor God and do that? Before you say that, can I honor God and say that? Before you see that, can I honor God and look at that? Can I honor God and go there? You see, if we make that decision first in our life, All the other decisions are just a little easier. Number one, honor God 
in all you do. Now, and I'll go through the other uh, filters I have in just a minute, but you see, filters is that process that we use to make decisions. I'll tell you a terrible filter. A terrible filter is hurts and pain. Sometimes decisions, remember I said earlier, you are who you are today because of decisions yesterday. Sometimes they're decisions you made. Sometimes it's decisions others have made over your life. And sometimes those decisions that others have made over our life has produced pain. And sometimes that pain, it becomes a filter and we thou filter all of our future experience through the pain of the past. And the pain of your past is a terrible filter toward your future. Hurt people hurt people. It's just as simple as that. Have you ever seen somebody that's always hurting somebody? Generally, if you dig into their past, they're hurting people because somebody hurt them. So sometimes people have had things in their past that hurts. We, as you know, and your church has been a part of it ever since the very beginning. We have a children's home, an orphanage. To date, we have had over 600 children come through our children's home. And, and by law, the, the law in Peru says that we only have to take care of the kids until they're 18. But when those kids turn 18, I mean, we've had them since they were just, you know, small children. We can't just turn them out to the street and say, God bless you, good luck. So we take care of them. And right now, we've got 17 of these kids we're putting through college. Um, we also have a home called the Grace House. Now, the Grace House is a house for young girls that have been sexually abused, generally. It's actually a house for anorexia, bulimia, suicidal tendencies, cutting. But one day I asked, why is anorexia and bulimia such a big issue in South America? Why, are, why do we have so many girls with these suicidal tendencies? And we later found out it was because of sexual abuse. If a girl can't control her body, she will control one thing she can control. And that will be she will stop eating and go into these dark, dark tendencies. So and in these things, we've made a decision because bad decisions have been made. Some of our children in the children's home, for example, they have seen things in their past that no child should ever see. Some of these young girls in our children's home or in the women's home have seen things and experienced things that no young girl should ever experience. I can't change the past, but we can change the future. We can help them make different decisions that will give them a different and a brighter future. So it's interesting because decisions were made in their past that put them into a hard place. But I have made a decision to go and show unconditional love and show the love of Jesus to these children or these young girls, hopefully to give them a better future. I'll explain it this way. We brought some pictures. And the first picture, I believe, is going to be of a young girl. Let me see it first to make sure. This is Paulette. Now, let me explain the story of Paulette. These are the two most recent graduates. In fact, they just graduated a few weeks ago from our, our children, our, the women's home. It's called the Grace House. Now, and it was interesting because just as Paulette was graduating, she was sharing her testimony at her graduation. 
And as tears were streaming down my face, I text Pastor Dale and I said, this is some of the most powerful testimonies I have ever heard come out of the Grace House. And I'll tell you the story of Paulette. It's one of these stories that's sad. She grew up as with an abusive mom and a mom that was with many different men during her years of growing up. When she was eight years old, her neighbor began to come over and rape her at eight years old. Just eight years old, and, and she, she hated this whenever it happened, but the neighbor kept showing up in her bedroom and, and continually over and over raping her. When she was 12 years old, her mother decided to introduce her to her father. And when her father walked in, she found out her father was the neighbor who was coming in and raping her. And the decisions that had been continually made over her life. She, she hated men, but she found out she could make money through selling her body and went into a life of prostitution that sent her into a dark, dark place. When she came to us, it was her last hope, her last chance. Just She had been cutting herself and into this dark place, but she made a decision. I'm going to give it one last chance. And in the grace house, not only found the grace and the love of Jesus, but found hope for the future. She just graduated just a few weeks ago at Paulette, and today her heart is to give her life to God. She's now entered into our intern program because she wants to dedicate the rest of her life rescuing young girls that have been sexually trafficked. The next young girl graduated with her. There was only two that graduated that day. This is Malou. Now, Malou, her story is pretty much similar in, a, in the sense that she had been abused by men since she had memory, not knowing, you know, who, which men were which, but had also found out that through this thing that men wanted with her body, she could make some money and one day became pregnant with somebody, a little girl that she didn't want. She, she goes on to tell the story. She would beat her stomach, just hoping the baby would abort. And when the baby finally came out, she just hated this little girl that was born, didn't want anything to do with it. So was abusing the little girl. And can you imagine the life that little girl would have grown up into? See, sometimes because of our hurts, we carry our hurts onto other parts of our family and hurt people hurt people and it begins to be a cycle in life that is never ending and except that one day little Malou made the decision that she had heard about the grace house had already gone into anorexia and bulimia and, and suicidal tendencies wanted nothing to do with life but she went into the grace house graduated just a few weeks ago once again not only found Christ but found forgiveness for her father and then found love for her daughter and now that little girl is growing up in a home with a mom that loves her who wants to dedicate the rest of her life just to be a solid strong Christian. Once again, it was the decisions that were made in their past, but decisions determine destiny. And sometimes there are our own decisions. Sometimes it's others' decisions, but we can change if we just change the patterns. The next story is a little boy. His name is, here he is, Abelardo. Now, Abelardo, this young boy came to our orphanage when he was four years old. 
This picture is just about, it happened early December when he graduated. Now, Abelardo, you see his mom and dad both died. He was an orphan child. And when we found them, their older sister, 12-year-old sister, was taking care of their three younger siblings. In other words, he was the youngest, Abelardo, his older brother, Orlando, and then his older sister, uh, Nilda, they were, they all came to the home, just four to six years old. Abelardo, this little boy was the smallest, but man, when he came to the home, I loved tackling that little boy. I would go out there and we'd get in tickle fights. In fact, many of you that went to the orphanage years ago remember little Abelardo, uh, how he would just come up and just such a loving little boy. He was like that for a number of years until he got to his teenage years. In his teenage years, he began to hate God because he didn't understand why God took his parents. He hated the children's home. He hated life. He didn't like the church. We made the decision to continue loving him unconditionally, even though this hate had gotten into him. You see, God didn't take his family. We have an enemy. So we continued to love him. And even though he was not wanting anything to do with God or church, we paid his way to go through engineering school. This is him graduating just a few weeks ago. He recently came back to us. He said, Pastor, I know it wasn't God that took my family. Thank you for taking taking care of us. And thank you, because now he is an electronic engineer. And this next picture I love even more, because this is his little girlfriend who are about to get married, and they're going to have a different future, because often because of the support this church has given us to help these kids continue on in their education. This last story kind of gets, gets to me. It's, these are two young girls. Now, the one on the, your right over on this side, um, her name is Nellie. The one on the left is Shama or Sharoma. And these two girls, they both grew up in the orphanage. Sweet, lovely, lively little girls. Nellie is the one I want to talk about, even though Sharoma growing up there too is as sweet as can be. But Nellie was one of these. Her, the only thing we got from the social workers when the government brought her over to us, she was about six years old when she arrived at the orphanage. And her, the, the social worker said her mom committed suicide. That was all it said. Her mom had committed suicide. And, and now when she turned 17 and she began to think toward the future, always brilliant in school and studies and, and such a sweet, lively little girl. But we asked Nellie, what do you want to do? And she looked and she said, I want to be a forensic doctor. And I said, a what? I want to be a forensic doctor. I said, a what? Why do you want to be a forensic doctor? I mean, forensic. You know what they do? They study dead things. She goes, yeah. We said, why? And she said, because my mom didn't commit suicide. She was murdered. And there wasn't a forensic medical person that could have helped her. And I said, okay, Nellie, we'll help you. So today she is studying forensic medicine in the finest university in Argentina. Amen. And her friend Sharoma is there with her studying graphic design. The thing is, decisions determine your destiny. See, we made a decision, I did years ago, and my decision was I want to honor God in all I do. My number two filter, number two, is trust God. You can trust God. Have you ever asked the hard questions? Have you ever asked the questions of, like this one, for example, 
Will my father be in heaven with me? Will my loved ones be in heaven? What about all the people that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will they be in heaven? What about the children that, went, that were aborted and never had the opportunity to hear the gospel? Where will they go? Will they be in heaven? And what we're really asking is this. God, will you be fair when you judge them? Will you be fair... Oftentimes we ask that question, what's it going to be like? Because the Bible says that each and every one of us one day will stand before the throne of God. And each one of us, according to the actions in our lives, we will be judged. And, and when we start asking questions, what about those that have never heard? What about the children? What about my family member? What we're asking is, God, will you be fair? And the answer is yes. It says in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, it says that every single one of us in heaven, when we see the books open, when we see the way God judges, every one of us will say these words, just and true are your judgments. In other words, nobody, nobody can say that was unfair or I don't agree with that. Everyone will say that is 100 percent true and fair, just and true are your judgments. I believe even the devil will have to admit, God, that was right, the judgment on himself. Because the Bible says that one day will come when every knee will bow, every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, you can trust Jesus. Now, I like to tell another little story about this and, and just follow with me for a minute. But it's the story of a little boy. And this little boy was running off one morning and mom just kind of grabbed him and forced him, said, wait, wait, little boy, you forgot your lunch. And she had packed for this little boy five loaves of bread and two fish. Remember the story of the five loaves and two fish? Now, we can kind of get some picture of this story. I can almost picture the little boy saying, oh, mom, mom, but she had packed a lunch and he was going to take it. I mean, he was like saying, oh, mom, none of the other boys have a lunch. You're the only mom that makes me take a lunch. How do I know that? Because out of 5,000 people, he was the only one that had a lunch. He was the only one, 5,000 people. And he's, oh, mom, and he carries his lunch out there and he's sitting in a field and Jesus is teaching. And, and all of a sudden there's a break in the teaching. And you can just picture this little boy looks up and there's some big guy standing in front of him. I don't know if it was Peter or Bartholomew or Matthew or which disciple it was. But that disciple says, hey, boy, what you got in the bag? And the little boy says, lunch? My mom made it for me. Can I have it? Now let's jump forward. If mom packed the lunch for him, what's the first thing mom is going to say when he comes home? Come on, moms. Come on, what's the first thing you're going to ask your kid when they come home? Did you eat your lunch? Can you imagine that little boy saying, Mom, Mom, you're not going to believe what Jesus just did with your lunch. 
You're not going to believe what God did with your lunch, mom. This is incredible. And the story goes like this. You can even trust Jesus with your lunch. Whatever you give to him, you can trust. See, you can trust him, especially in the moments you don't understand. You can trust him. Got to run quick. I want to get to my fourth filter. My third filter is this. Go slow to go far. Go slow to go far. Now, what do I mean by go slow to go far? Um, There's a story of a missionary, William Carey is his name, known as the father of modern day missions, William Carey. Don't know, I've read the biographies of his life, but there must have been something about William Carey that made him look very normal or very unspecial. I don't know what it was, but when the American church, when he went to the American church and said, I believe God is calling me to India, they looked at him and said, you? Who, what makes you think you can do anything? What will you do in India? And his answer was this, I can plod. I love that story, I can plod. You see, William Carey worked for 20 years in India without one convert. Not one. For 20 years, all he did was build farms and teach people how to use farms to get ahead in life. And and after 20 years, finally, some of the villagers came to him and said, why are you teaching us how to do this? And he said, it's because I'm a Christian. And they said, what's that? And by that time, he had earned the right to be heard. Now, what happened next is he won millions of people to Christ and set in motion modern day missions around the world and, and systems of missions that we still use to this day. But the thing is, when people asked him, what can you do? He said, really, all I can do is plod. You see, go slow to go far. Over the 34 or 35 years on the mission field, one thing I've learned is I can plod. I don't feel like I'm always the most gifted, the most charismatic, and, but I can put one foot in front of the other. And sometimes as I'm going along, there comes somebody else behind me and whew, there they go, more gifted than I am, more charismatic and off they're running and, and people are saying, wow, look at what they're doing. And yeah, but I can keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then there's new fads that happen and new things in church. Uh, and this church is doing this and that church is doing that. And then, and wh- why aren't we doing what they're doing? And all I know is what I know to do. And I, maybe I, I don't understand all that, but I can do one thing when I, when I can't, when life gets tough, when, When things get a little confusing, I can put one foot in front of the other and just keep going one foot at a time. I can plod. And over the years, I found going slow can get us pretty far. Because some of those that ran past me, I don't know where they are anymore. They were there for a while, and all of a sudden, when you look back, they're not there anymore. But just steady, going, mo- mo- going on one foot at a time, just plodding when it's tough, when I don't understand, when it's difficult, just one foot, just take the next step, just go, just take the next step. It's a little hard, take the next step. When, it, when the orphanage, when the girl's home, when, when all that we're doing, you just take the next step. That's all I can do is just take the next step. And last year, our church reached 81,000 people for Christ.
with 20,115 decisions to receive Christ. You see, go slow to go far. My last fourth one, I'm just going to mention it, is be thankful in everything. Be thankful. Live a thankful life. I am so thankful for Church of the Redeemer. I am so thankful for this family and that I get to be a part of this family and for the way you've teamed up with us to help us in the children's home, in the women's home, and through so much more that we do in South America. Just live thankful. See, life, hard decision, hard life decisions become easier if, number one, you decide to honor God. Number two, you decide to trust God even when you don't understand. Number three, you just make that decision. You know, others may just keep running past me, but I'm just going to keep in my lane one foot at a time. Go slow to go far. And number four, whatever I do, I want to live a thankful life. Thank you, Church of the Redeemer, so much for standing with us. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.